know some of you are legitimately mad at how tonight's game turned about, but you know what? There is good news. The good news is the music that you heard in the beginning of this podcast. We have new music. It is wonderful. It is fantastic. I know people have been telling me, Danny, for the love of God, change the damn music. To which I say, it has been changed. If you like it, yay. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. So, you either like this one or you don't, but who am I to judge? Um, But we are not here to talk music. We are here to talk about a hockey game. Another hockey game in which the Vegas Golden Knights should have won. But alas, they didn't. Blowing a lead in the third period. Welcome back, everybody, to Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And for the second time today, it is Tuesday, January 21st. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice, and NHL columnist for gaming today here in Las Vegas. And we will break down Vegas's 3-2 loss to the Boston Bruins in a matter of moments. But first, as we've done now for about 75 episodes, uh, the usual housekeeping items that we need to tend to before we get the ball rolling, if this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, welcome to you. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you are just a fan of emails, if you like sending emails, whether they be good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't matter to me. Uh, if you like emails, you can uh, send them to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So here's the big takeaway that I took from this game. A 3-2 loss by Vegas to the Boston Bruins. Um, the biggest takeaway I had in this game is that for the first time in, God, I, I want to say it, it's been about a few weeks, but for the first time in about a few weeks, the Golden Knights played a game for about a full 60 minutes that should have won them a game. Um, for the first 40 minutes, especially the golden Knights played some of their best all around hockey that they played in a long time. Now, albeit the shot chart was a little bit, uh, skewed, uh, Boston controlled the shot chart for the majority of the game. They got more dangerous chances, especially in the first period on Mark Andre Fleury. And really, for the better part of the first period, the Bruins really dominated play in the Vegas zone. But thanks to strong goaltending and thanks to strong defense in front of Flurry, which we really haven't said for the first time in, you know, God knows how long, the Golden Knights did enough to win this game. Unfortunately, a couple of bounces here and there, and the Golden Knights are looking at the other end of a 3-2 loss to the Boston Bruins on Tuesday night. Their fifth consecutive loss to Boston. Vegas has not beaten Boston since the, their fourth game in franchise history when they played at home and Boston won in Malcolm Subban's first win in the National Hockey League. Uh, despite a, what was it, a 34-save performance by Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, and despite Nicholas Haig, God bless him, scoring his first NHL goal in a moment 
that is to be celebrated from all sorts of realms of hockey land or hockeydom or whatever you want to call it. The Golden Knights had a two to one lead in the third period. The Bruins came back to score twice to win three to two. Now, again, all signs were pointing to the Golden Knights winning this game because not only did the Golden Knights weather the storm of Boston really controlling play, especially in the first period, they dominated in the Vegas zone, really, in the first period. They were able to stop all that. Mark Stone scores 124 in. They go up one nothing. Everything is pointing Vegas's direction, especially from the opening draw. Marc-Andre Fleury had to make three or four saves that, really, if he doesn't make them, this game could have easily turned to a 2-1, 3-1 Boston lead after one. And then Jeremy Lazan scores his first goal of the season uh, just by throwing it at the net, and somehow it beats Flurry over his shoulder. And all of a sudden, it's 1-1, but even though Vegas was outplayed in the first period, the fact that they came out of it 1-1 was about as fantastic of a prediction as one could have. And then they go into the second period where Flurry makes big save after big save after big save, and Vegas was called for three penalties in the second period. By the way, um, Vegas, five for five on the penalty kill. Uh, Peter DeBoer's penalty killing unit is usually one of the best. San Jose's was one of the best before he got fired. Um, they did an outstanding job tonight to hold that Boston power play to 0 for 5 was tremendous. Um, but when the Golden Knights got on the power play, they only had two power plays the entire night. They capitalized on one of them because Nick Haig, who has been searching and searching and searching for goals ever since he was, I mean, he's gone up like 20 games now where he's looked for a goal. He's hit, he's hit posts. He's hit double posts. He's hit everything you could possibly think of. And Nick Haig finally from the right circle, blasts one past Yarrow Halak for his first NHL goal to give the Golden Knights a 2-1 to lead at 10.59 of the second period. Everything is pointing Vegas's way. Not only is it pointing Vegas's way to finally beat Boston, but to finally beat Boston in Boston. Unfortunately, the third time would be the charm for one Jake DeBrusque, who had multiple chances to put a puck into the net in the first two periods. Jake DeBrus finally got one to go at 426 of the third period to tie it at two. And then David Krejci on a rebound after pulling Flurry away from the net after he made the initial save. Krejci shot it into an open net, his 12th of the year. That would be the game-winning goal. And Boston would go on to win 3-2, to two, dropping the Golden Knights into the All-Star break at 25-20-7 on the season. Good for, if I can do the math, 57 points. Which means as we enter the All-Star break, the team in first place in the Pacific Division are your Vancouver Canucks. The words I don't think I'd ever utter in this point, but with three games in hand over the Golden Knights, uh, the Vancouver Canucks are first place in the Pacific Division. If the season were to end today, the Golden Knights would be in a playoff spot. The, The Pacific Division holds both wild card spots at this moment. Uh, unfortunately, if you're the Golden Knights, if the season were to end today, you would be the second wild card taking on the defending champion St. Louis Blues, which I don't think you can come back from three, nothing in every single game you play against them. So who is that really benefiting? Uh, but the Golden Knights, 
yeah, I, this was a game that they could have won. This is a game they absolutely should have won. And it, it's not every day that if you're facing the Bruins, it's not every day that you basically neutralize that Boston top line. It does not happen under any circumstances. The fact that we are here talking about how Pasternak had four goals, did not score, how Bergeron had four goals and did not score, and Marchand had three or shot four shots, did not score, how Bergeron had four shots, did not score, and how Marchand had three shots and did not score. The fact that we are talking about that today and the Golden Knights still did not win this game. I would take that as kind of deflating, especially considering the fact that Boston came into this game winning only eight of its total 20 last 21 games. So the Bruins were definitely not, have definitely not been playing their best hockey for the better part of a month, month and a half. And the Golden Knights really had a good opportunity to go into Boston. And even if Boston wasn't playing well, this is still a statement win for this team under a new head coach. And the fact that they went in there and played well for about 40, 45 minutes and didn't even come away with a point, I'd say it's pretty deflating. And this was probably one of their most complete games in the last few weeks. And that's really been something that we haven't said much from the Golden Knights. I mean, again, the Ottawa game last week, it's one game and it's Ottawa, but this was a whole different beast. Could have gone into Boston, at least got a point. And even if you got into overtime, it's a pretty good chance you could have gotten two because Boston really hasn't been good in overtime as of late. So at the end of the day, I look at this as a really blown opportunity for the Golden Knights as they now go into the All-Star break. They get nine days off um, and they come back to play the Carolina Hurricanes and and the Nashville Predators in a back-to-back. And those are two games that you're really going to need to buckle down and win here. So... I'd, I'd call this a blown opportunity. Uh, speaking of that back-to-back, uh, due to Mark andre Fleury playing in this game tonight, um, it is official that he will be suspended for the game against the Hurricanes when the Golden Knights resume play after the All-Star break in the bye week, uh, meaning that it will be Malcolm Subban going in net for that game. And by Fleury being suspended, they'll probably have to make a recall. So it will likely be Oscar Dance backing up Subban or whoever else they decide to bring up uh, from AHL Chicago. Maybe it's Garrett Sparks. Who knows? Um, But it will be Malcolm Subban playing in Carolina. And then it will probably be Fleury again after 10, 11 days off going the next night in Nashville. So that is all uh, pretty much confirmed uh, to this point. Uh, for the Golden Knights, who go into the break now again at 25, 20, and 7. Um, and actually just coming through, really, of course, because of course we would have news coming in during this podcast as of five minutes ago. Um, Nick Haig and Nick Waugh have been reassigned to AHL Chicago um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, probably cap space. Two, to get Waugh and Haig some playing time during the break. Um, yeah, the, the Wolves play Friday and Saturday, and then they have their break, and they're off till January 31st. So a chance for them to get a couple of extra more games until uh, until uh, the Golden Knights resume play. And again, this will all be based on uh, the health of Glass and Carlson as well. 
uh, with Raw being sent down. Uh, I'm almost going to guess that William Carlson and Cody Glass will be back uh, for the tail end of this eight-game road trip uh, when play resumes. So we'll kind of figure out where uh, where one Nicholas Waugh uh, plays back in, but I will pretty much venture to guess Haig will be back, and this is for more cap space purposes, which Golden Knights, and they're now down to about one month before they have to make said decisions on uh, what they do with that allotted cap space that they're getting each time that they send these guys down um, to the AHL. So there you go. Breaking news, which really isn't breaking news, I guess, because of transactions, and that's really all we get. Um, but in any event, there you go. Uh, Golden Knights lose 3-2 to Boston, and they will now go into the All-Star break. Which, by the way, now I think is a good time as any to look in around and over and whatnot to the Pacific Division because these last 30 games or so are going to be very ridiculous because as we've allotted, as we alluded to earlier, the Canucks have 58 points through 49 games. The Edmonton Oilers, one point behind the Canucks at 49 games. The Calgary Flames at 57 points through 50 games. Coyotes at 57 through 51 and the Golden Knights at 57 through 52. So right now, as it stands, the Canucks and the Oilers are in a pretty good spot. Uh, This isn't to say that the Golden Knights can't turn this around in the final 30 games. They're going to have to. They don't have a choice. They put themselves in this position to where they need to make a charge. Uh, Fortunately, they don't have to. It's going to be a five team race going forward. The only thing that the, the two wildcard teams from the Pacific have to worry about are the two teams right behind them. Uh, in terms of the Winnipeg Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, fortunately, last I checked, and I could probably check right now if I am not mistaken, uh, the Blackhawks are losing to the Florida Panthers. Uh, Joe Quenville uh, sends his regards. And the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1 to earlier tonight. So the Jets and the Blackhawks are likely going to go into the break at 54 points each, which means Right now, it is a pretty firm hold between the Coyotes and the Golden Knights for the, for the two wildcard spots in the Pacific Division. Um, but like I said earlier, if the season were to end today, the Golden Knights would be taking on the St. Louis Blues in the first round. Which, I mean, I know we talk a lot about this whole playoff structure and whatnot, but I mean... <laughs> For the for the one v eight, I guess that's not too shabby, right? I mean that that's not a bad spot to be in if if you're Vegas. Well, considering St. Louis has kind of kicked your ass the last couple of years, um, it, it's not a bad spot for Vegas to be in. I mean, it, it could be evenly matched, or St. Louis could totally blow the doors open in a seven game series against Vegas. So take that with what you will. Uh, but the Canucks. They've had they've been on a kind of a little bit of a roller coaster. They're still a young team. They're still really inconsistent. They're not. I don't want to say that they're there, but the fact that they are heading into the break atop the Pacific Division through forty nine games, I think needs a lot of credit needs to go to Travis Green. A lot of credit needs to go to the Vancouver front office for making the moves that they made in the off season. You know, to get a guy like JT Miller and to get all the other acquisitions that they had over the summer for them to do what they've been able to do and have a 592 points percentage through 49 games, I think is remarkable. And and it really is probably one of the more 
under the radar stories in the National Hockey League this season. Because I mean, no one's really talking about the Pacific Division. You're only really talking about the Pacific Division if you're mentioning Vegas, Arizona, maybe Edmonton. Well, Edmonton by Connor McDavid alone. But no one's really talked about the Canucks because it's like, okay, the Canucks are are like one of the feel good stories here. It's only going to be a matter of time before they fall off. And I thought they fell off maybe about a month ago, but they've been able to hang strong in this crowded division. I think they've won, what, eight in in a row at home now? Like, they've been on fire at home. And really, that's been one of the keys here for Vancouver as they head into the break. They're 16-5-3 at home this year. So they got 18 more games at home. And what do they got? Uh... 18, 14, 25, so 17 more on the road. So the fact that they're looking at more home than away games close of the year out, I think that's I think that's pretty good. If you're the Canucks, you got to feel really good about that. Um, and then following in second place, obviously the Edmonton Oilers, who have been able to kind of stay afloat. I mean, we're all waiting for the one moment where the Oilers are just going to completely fall flat. Um, we're, we're waiting for that. We are waiting for, at any moment. Now the Oilers are going to fall flat on their face because everyone says it every time they can only go as far as McDavid and dry can take them. And so far the scoring would indicate that it's still McDavid and dry And you got to wonder if they can keep it up for 33 more games. But right now with the Oilers, again, three games in hand, over the Golden Knights, two in hand over the Coyotes, one in hand over the Flames, and they are one point back of Vancouver. I think that that is very, very commendable. And the fact that they've been able to do this while McDavid and Dreisaitl have been killing it year in and year out, and they're killing it again this year, and they're not that far off from first place. If they can get solid goaltending from Koskinen and Smith in the second half, And if they can get somebody, whether it be James Neal turning it on with the goals again, or, uh, I mean, anybody that can throw in that secondary scoring, if they can do that, the Oilers can stay around for a little while, and they may not finish second or third, but you get them in a wild card spot, that could be a little bit dangerous, because, I mean, we haven't seen much of McDavid in the playoffs, but I think playoff Connor McDavid might be a lot of fun. It won't be a lot of fun for the team that's facing him, but it would be a lot of fun. Uh, the Calgary Flames sitting at third place or technically third place in the Pacific. Um, that, that, that's another good turnaround, uh, under Jeff Ward, the interim coach. Uh, not sure. I haven't really heard. They might have already announced, but I don't know if Ward is going to be like the guy beyond this year. Who knows? Um, but the fact that there are 57 points again through 50 games after the way they started, and then the whole Bill Peters situation happened. The fact that they're where they are right now through 50 games and they have 57 points, that it, again, another really good story coming out of Calgary. And I, I would just like to point this out. If the playoffs were to start today, it would be Edmonton versus Calgary. And I am here for a seven-game series in which Zach Cassian and Matthew Kachuk are just beating the living holy hell out of each other. I I am here for that. I don't know if it would happen because the referees are probably going to be all over that. And who knows if the Department of Player Safety would be like, they're suspended for this amount of games. Um, But in any event, Edmonton and Calgary in round one. I'm here for it. I really am. 
And then the wild card teams, obviously Arizona at 57 points, 51 games. Um, definitely not the pace I think that they expected to be. Uh, you look at their last 10, I they're five, four and one in their last 10 and they've lost two in a row. Um, if to me, Arizona is going to have to be, they're going to have to play a lot better in these final 32 games. Um, or these third final 31 games, I should say. Um, they made the move to get Taylor Hall. Not only did they make the move to get Taylor Hall, they made the move without giving up anybody of immediate value. They gave up a couple prospects, a couple draft picks, but they got Taylor Hall with the full belief that they could win the Pacific Division. And they're right there, you know, and it probably is going to take beyond the break probably for Hall to bond with his teammates. We, 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 we hear a lot about bonding, when it comes to adding Peter DeBoer to this coaching staff and to this team, which the Golden Knights and DeBoer are going to have to do over these next 10 days to kind of get familiarity with the team, it's probably going to have to be the same situation in Arizona. There's probably going to have to be a lot of a lot of work with what Hall can do with the coaching staff. There's going to have to be a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are going to need to happen between now and then. Um, but really, Arizona's right there. They are right there. And when Darcy Kemper comes back, that's another thing we got to talk about. Darcy Kemper is still hurt. He might be back after the All-Star break. There is that possibility. If Darcy Kemper comes back and he's even remotely the goalie that he was before he got hurt, Arizona is going to be in very good shape. I mean, the fact that they're even where they are right now, only one point out of first, and they don't have really their their Vesna caliber goaltender in net right now, I think says a lot about Arizona. And... If they can get that offense rolling and that goaltending comes back and he's just and Kemper's just on fire the way he was, then Arizona's gonna be in very good shape. And then finally Vegas. I mean, we we know the situation with Vegas now. It's really these final 30 games are gonna be pressure packed. They're going to be ridiculously um heavily charged because now it is it is crunch time. The Golden Knights are probably going to be the most aggressive buyers they can possibly be in the market during the trade deadline. And we are now coming up on a month before the deadline. We're a few days out of a month before the deadline and the golden Knights are going to need to make a move. They're going to need to shore up something on that blue line to where they can get a defenseman that really fits Peter DeBoer's style. Because now it's not just, Oh, get a star stabbed defenseman and throw him in there and see what he can do under Gerard Gallant. No, you need to get a guy that is going to do what he can in DeBoer's system. So that is going to be the other challenge that the front office has to make between now and the deadline. And these last 30 games, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a good number of home games in February, a good number of home games in March. Um, the problem is, is that the competition is very heavy. And the fact that they come out of the all-star break, having the back-to-back against Carolina and Nashville, and then they got to go to Florida to play Tampa and the Panthers those are going to be four very difficult games. And if Vegas doesn't squeeze at least four points out of those, I don't know. I don't want to know what to think before they come back for the home game against Carolina on February 8th. So all eyes are going to be on Vegas because they made the move. That is the most glaring move of the entire Pacific division. They made the move a coach. Now they got to go out and win, and they got 30 games to do it. 
Plenty of time, absolutely. But the fact that we're looking at Vancouver and Edmonton both with three games in hand? Vegas has had a busy first half of the season. Chance to recharge and to try and win these games coming out of the break is going to be very, very crucial. So uh, if you're a fan of Team Chaos, as uh, my colleague Justin Emerson put on Twitter the other day, uh, you're a fan of Team Chaos, I would highly suggest watching the rest of the Pacific Division the rest of the way. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. All right, one look around the league before we go. I think there might still be games going, actually, considering we're doing this at 739. Uh, let's take a look around the league. Uh, Boston, obviously, won 3-2. The New York Islanders beat the New York Rangers 4-2. The Hurricanes, 4-1 over the Winnipeg Jets. The Philadelphia Flyers with the shutout over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, hello, Philadelphia. Welcome back to the playoff race, even though you've lost Carter Hart for a little bit. And the Panthers with 1652 left in the third are leading the Blackhawks four to one in Chicago in the Joel Quenville Bowl. So that really is your look around the league tomorrow. Uh, two games only the final two games before the uh, for the all-star break ends um, before Vegas takes its uh, mandatory five day bye week. Uh, we have Winnipeg and Columbus. So Winnipeg playing the second end of a back-to-back in Columbus. So they're going to have to travel for that one. Probably not going to be fun against a Red Hawk Columbus team. And then probably the toilet bowl of all toilet bowls, the Detroit Red Wings taking on the Minnesota Wild, which maybe it's not the toilet bowl of all toilet bowls. If it was Detroit and Ottawa, I would say yes. But Minnesota, after the way they lost to Florida the other night, woof. Uh, And then we will have no hockey until the All-Star break or until the All-Star game this weekend. Uh, If Max Pacioretty does something memorable, I think we will we will uh, be back here to report it. Otherwise, we have got five days to fill out some damn content. Uh, It's going to be a little bit of a lull. So. We're going to do a mailbag probably next week. Uh, We'll send out a thing on Twitter where you can send in your questions. We'll do a mailbag on Monday. And then we'll figure out what in the world else we're going to do um, between now and then. Uh, So please stay tuned and please be patient for all that we are doing. So that will do it. Double duty day is done here on this Tuesday. We will be back tomorrow uh, to kind of, we might break down Vegas's best moments of the season to this point. I don't know. We'll still have to figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing, supporting all that you've done with this podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to leave a review and a rating. Helps people find the podcast. Also lets me know how I'm doing. Um, again, not the best podcaster in the world. Not the best. Uh, not the best person with my words, as one would say. But. Uh, having a lot of fun doing this show, and I hope that you all have somewhat enjoyed uh, my analysis of the Golden Knights to this point. So thank you for your support, and thank you for listening to this show. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, and we're going to let the new music play us out. Let me know what you think of the music, by the way. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one! Have a good one!